Who is ready to rock today, Fire Nation? JLD here with an audio masterclass that I am fired up for you to consume because I am bringing Stephen Clayton on to talk about the secrets behind moving from just dreaming about being an entrepreneur to actually becoming one. Now, Fire Nation, Stephen is a serial entrepreneur who has started five successful businesses in the past 15 years, all of which are still running and profitable. These businesses have generated over $17 million in the last 12 months alone, and in addition, Within the last four years, Stephen and his partners have trained over 10,000 new entrepreneurs and about to be many more with you listening to today's audio masterclass, Fire Nation, when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Fire Nation, as an entrepreneur, you know what it's like to wear many hats and feel busy all the time, but to take your business to the next level, you have to start doing things more efficiently. One way to do that, hire the right people, and ZipRecruiter can help. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Steven, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, what's up, Fire Nation? I am really excited to be here. Um, so, things that people don't know about me, uh, I will give you two. Uh, one is that I'm a pilot. And so I've owned a couple planes over the years and um, done a lot of flying and just absolutely love the freedom that comes along with that. And the other is that I actually own a, um, believe it or not, it depends on how you define it, but a super yacht, which is, sounds insane. Um, 27 meter uh, yacht that's, uh, she's just, just about 90 feet to the crew of four that cruises the Caribbean and Virgin Islands, New England, and uh, also turn that into a charter company. So that doesn't sound insane to me at all. Like that doesn't sound <laughs> insane whatsoever. The only thing that's insane is something that we yeah. briefly chatted about in the intro, which is the fact that, you know, you live up in Chicago, whereas now you're telling me that you're a pilot <laughs> and you have a yacht. And here I'm I looking know. out my window at the marina in Palmas del Mar, where you can park your super yacht, cruise out to the right. BVIs and the AVIs, to your heart's content, fly over there as well. I don't know, brother. What's know. going on? It's crazy, right? I like the change, though. You know, <laughs> listen. The cold, the cold is fine as long as you have an escape hatch. So if you can, if you can get in a plane and you know cruise down to the Caribbean, then uh, then you've got an escape hatch. So it's all good. You can oh, enjoy the snow man. and then then be in the sun. Keep telling yourself that. I love it. So <laughs> Fire Nation, you know why I'm excited today because Stephen has done it. You you heard me say his entire intro is incredibly impressive. Seventeen million in the last twelve months. 10,000 trained entrepreneurs, so much cool stuff. And today he's going to be sharing with you the secrets behind moving from just dreaming about being an entrepreneur to actually becoming one. And again, he's trained over 10,000 new entrepreneurs. So this is cool stuff. So real quick, Stephen, give us your origin story. And then we're going to dive into the five reasons why people simply don't ever start a business. I started actually in corporate America. Uh, I did uh, about 18 years in corporate and ended my career there as a, a VP for a Fortune 500 company. So this is being an entrepreneur is my is my second career, um, and so I think it's you know I'm a little bit different uh, than than most people in, in that regard. Uh, but you know there I was uh, in my late 30s. I had sort of achieved kind of my corporate goals, and I you know I had a, a big decision to make. I mean, you know, am I going to go back to corporate, almost start over, you know, and because the company that I was with had been 
acquired. Um, and I had, you know, a wife that didn't work and two young kids and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I just said, you know, I, I've got, I've got great financial freedom, uh, you know, being a, a VP for a big company, you get a lot of perks, but I don't have any time freedom. I don't have any geographic freedom. I can't, you know, move around wherever I want to, and I can't go do the things I want to do. So I just made the decision at that point. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm closing that chapter on my life and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then I had to figure out well, what the hell does that mean? You know, and, and how am I going to make that happen? That was 13 years ago, and I've, I've never had a real job. Well, spoiler alert, Fire Nation, he's here on Entrepreneurs on Fire. He made it happen, and now he's trained over 10,000 new entrepreneurs on how to do it as well, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And let's start, Stephen, with the biggie, and that's five reasons yep. that people don't start a business, because we have all the reasons up in our head. What are the five biggies? Since we've started uh, doing our own businesses, we, we've sort of said, look, everything that works for us, we're going to train other people to do, you know, try and have a big impact on, on other people's lives. And so over the last decade, you know, we've, we've created uh, 15 different online training products uh, that cover pretty much the whole gamut of, of online business models. And as you said, you know, we've, we've impacted more than 10,000 students over, over that period of time. Um, and so here's, so we're constantly asking ourselves, you know, why are people doing well? Why are they not doing well? Where are they failing? And it's really valuable, I think, to even look just at the beginning. Why do people, because a lot of people just don't even take any action at all, right? So here's the five things that we think are the most common. Number one, uh, money. Uh, people think that uh, they need a lot of cash uh, or they pick a business model uh, that they want to evaluate and say, hey, is this something I could start? And they pick the wrong one, you know, because it does actually require a lot of cash. And the truth is, you know, there are business models out there. Everything's easier with cash, obviously, but there are business models out there where you don't have to have the cash. And we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that. But my first business model that I started was affiliate marketing. And uh, certainly no, no big upfront infusions of cash were, were required for that. So um, I think time is, is the second one that we see. People, uh, you know, either they have a day job or they are, you know, involved with 10 other hobbies or their kids or whatever it is. And they feel like they, they can't carve out enough time so they don't even bother to start. And I think that's just such a huge um, disservice to people because, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got an hour a week or five hours a day. You know, if you can do a little bit, you can you can move the ball, and that's all that really matters. Is you know, if you can move the ball from one day to the next, then ultimately you're going to wake up, you know, being in the place you want to be. So definitely, we see people looking at at time and saying, "God, that's you know, I might as well not even start. I don't I don't have the time." Fear. I'm sure that you've heard this one a lot, right? Big time. Uh, yeah, like fear of failure, fear fear of success, or, but I actually think it's. I've thought a lot about this because I think I see this almost the most out of all the five. Here's what I think. Um, I think that people who want to be entrepreneurs, it's a big dream of theirs. It certainly was a big dream of mine. And it's so much of a dream of theirs that, that it's kind of baked into who they are. You know, it's part of their, uh, you know, their, their story, their personality, their whatever it is. You know, it's, it's baked into who they are. And so the big fear is, well, geez, if I, if I try and I fail, not only have I tried and failed and have the obvious downside to that, 
The, the other less obvious one and unconscious one sometimes, I think, is this incredible fear that, well, hell, I've lost my dream. You know, and, and, and if I lose my dream, this thing that I feel is so much, you know, that almost defines me, uh, you know, how incredibly debilitating is that, you know? Yeah. So I really think that's a big deal to, to a lot of people. And so that's where I think the fear comes into play. And I think that a lot of people are not aware that that's, you know, something that's driving them. And what people have to understand is, you know, if you look at any successful entrepreneur, the one thing that they have in common is that they have failed. <laughs> I mean, it's like we all have failed. Not everything that I do, believe me, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had my share of crappy ideas, you know, and, and we all have. I mean, Stephen, for 2,000 episodes in a row, my second question on this episode was, what's your biggest failure? And I had my guests talk about it because there's never been a successful entrepreneur without a big failure, period, end of story. No, absolutely. So people have to understand that just because something doesn't work, then that doesn't mean that, you know, it, the dream is dead. I mean, you should expect stuff not to work. You know? So anyway, I think that's a big deal. Um, confusion around uh, just how to start or which really more which business model to pick. You know, there's a lot of different things you could do online. And I think people get, you know, the, the traditional sort of paralysis by analysis um, there's so many shiny objects out there. There's so many courses. There's so many YouTube videos. There's so many gurus that could tell you, you know, what to do. That people are just like, oh my god, I, how am I supposed to even figure this out? I'm just, <laughs> I'm not even going to bother starting, you know. So I think we get a lot of that. Um, and and then I think, and and lastly, and and this is interesting, I think, uh, because I think most people would assume this might be the number one thing. I think. The ability to execute. I think people feel like they don't have access to the right training or, you know, the right instruction or the right resources, you know, that kind of thing. And they feel like, well, obviously all these other people that might have done this have had access to information or secrets or or something that I'm just not privy to. So, you know, I'm not even gonna not even gonna bother. So so that's what we see as the as the top five. Uh, reasons that people just don't even take that first step, you know? So Fire Nation, let me burn through these real quick. Money is number one, and there are certain models that you don't need a ton of cash, especially up front. So we'll be talking about a couple of those soon. Number two is time. And listen, all we have is time, Fire Nation. And how are you using that time? I mean, how was that last binge uh, session you had on Netflix? Think about how you're using your time there. <laughs> and then fear is number three. And I do love the acronym, which is false evidence appearing real. Fire Nation, you're a human being. You are born to taste, to smell, to feel fear. That's why we're still alive as a species, because we have fear. Now, how do we rise above it as human beings? That's key. And that's where people like Steven and others can really help just show us that way. And then confusion. I love that analysis paralysis you use, Steven. I like to say the terror of choices because Fire Nation, there yeah. are so many choices and it terrifies us. It's just so much. And then finally, the ability to execute. It's, it's scary. It's a struggle. That's why you need to learn from those who have come before you. So that was great, Steven. We, we really broke through a bunch of, I think, some mental barriers for people that we're going to be continuing to talk about as we go forward here. But there are also people who do start businesses, believe it or not, despite all of that stuff. 
But then there are a lot of reasons why those people fail. That's so sad because they've gone through all that stuff we just talked about. They start their business, then they fail. So let's talk about the three big reasons for those entrepreneurs who start businesses, but inevitably fail. The first one we see, it it sort of sounds like common sense, but I I think it's really important to dive deeper into this, is um, slow results, right? And you might be you might be saying, well, yeah, I, I mean, that's obvious, right? If I don't get results fast enough, then, uh, you know, I'm going to give up and I'll, I'll, I'm going to fail. But I actually think it's, um, it's a little bit bigger of a problem uh, than just you feel like the results are too slow. I think the root cause of this is that people don't take the time to understand uh, benchmarks that they could get. So what, what I mean by that is if you if you can see a business that's very similar to the one you're starting and you could reverse engineer the history of that business, let's assume for the moment that that's, it's a successful business and you could see, well, for, for this business, you know, the first eight months were incredibly unsuccessful and were slow to see results. Um, and here are the reasons why, and, and here's what they did to, you know, get around that. In other words, it's almost setting your expectations based on reasonable, accurate benchmark data. And I think that people don't do that. What they do is they go in and they, and they say, I'm going to open a restaurant and, uh, it'll be, you know, full in, in a week. And my marketing strategy is hope. I'm going to hope that, you know, people drop by and walk by the restaurant and come in and tell their friends. And obviously that'll work as long as I provide a good product. Yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, and, and so, so hope is not a good strategy. It's certainly not a good marketing strategy ever. Um, and if you don't have a benchmark, if you don't understand going in some reliable data that should, that should help you manage your expectations, how do you know whether you're actually getting slow results? or if they're just appropriate results, you know? So anyway, I think, I think that's something that needs to be explored. It's not just a matter of, uh, well, uh, never give up. It's not just a matter of, uh, well, be patient and success will come. It's let's be smart about understanding how long we really should be waiting. You know, let's plan that out. Let's have a plan. So, so slow results is a big thing. Um, cash flow and being able to pull money out of the business. I, uh, this has a special place in my heart because we've trained a lot of people on, um, on on doing sort of Amazon private label. So, you know, we have one of our companies is uh, pretty much our largest company where we manufacture goods. We have an office in China and a warehouse in China. We manufacture goods in China. We import them to the United States and we sell on Amazon. We've taught tons of people how to do that. And when you are doing that retail model, there's a lot to like about it. But there's one thing that really sucks about it, frankly, and that's cash flow, speed to cash flow. And the reason is because you're constantly buying that next bucket of inventory, having that manufactured, getting it to Amazon. And even though on the accounting statement, you're making a profit, it's very difficult to actually pull cash out of a traditional retail business like that until you've gone through well, certainly at least a one-year cycle and had the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But people get disillusioned. They, I have seen people work eight or nine months on an Amazon private label business, and they might be selling you know, uh, maybe $20,000, $30,000 in revenue a month and making a net margin, 
a net profit margin of maybe 15% on paper, that that's pretty good, right? I mean, that doesn't suck. That beats a kick in the teeth. It beats digging ditches. That's a great business right there, you know? But they can't, they've gone through eight or nine months and they can't see how they can pull cash out. And so they give up, which is crazy because if you just hung in there a little bit longer and understood, you know, the, the, the operations behind cash flow, which is different than profit and loss, then you would have had that expectation going in and you wouldn't have given up. But there are certain businesses where cash flow is a problem and we see people give up even on successful businesses because they're not able to pull that cash out. So, um, and then the third thing we see is, is really that basically losing faith in themselves, you know, um, it's, and it's especially hard when you're a, like a, like a, a single person entrepreneur. We have all, that's, that's how, that's how almost all of us have started. It's much easier when you have, uh, when you get bigger and you get employees or partners or, or however you sort of grow your, you know, your company. Um, but when you're by yourself, you know, it's really, really easy to just give up, to, to lose faith. You know, maybe there's a hurdle that you can't seem to get around or, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, you're just not seeing the results that you want fast enough or you don't understand what, you know, what your benchmark should be, whatever it is, you know. Um, and that's, a, and that's a, a real shame because um, m- almost all of the time when we see that, it's, it's not warranted. You know, people should definitely be not losing faith in themselves. So Fire Nation, there's a lot that Stephen just went through right there. I want to kind of go through a couple that I really was like, okay, this needs to be repeated. Number one, hope is not a good strategy. And believe it or not, that is a strategy of so many people, but it's just not the strategy that you should be implementing Fire Nation. There's too many great resources and people to look up to and mentors out there for you to have that strategy. And then that next thing you said, which I love, Stephen, which is, you know, what's your benchmark? And that's something you need to focus on, Fire Nation. And it really brought up that Peter Drucker quote for me, which is, what gets measured gets done. It's so key to think about that, Fire Nation, because if you are not having that benchmark, if you are not consistently measuring in accordance to that benchmark, then guess what? You're going to struggle. And then something that's been huge for so many entrepreneurs is cash flow. Because I'm telling you, Financial, we don't run out of great ideas. We don't run out of hope, desire, motivation most of the time, but we really do often run out of cash. And it's that runway that people run out of. So that is so absolutely key to think about. And I think that this dovetails, Stephen, perfectly into some of those critical elements to success when you are starting a business. So again, you've helped over 10,000 entrepreneurs um, and you've trained them and you've got them going in that right direction. So break down five of these critical elements that can really help us, Fire Nation, get towards success when we're starting our business. I am still surprised at how many people break these. It just shocks me. But and and let's take the first one as an example because you know people are going to go, oh well, it's common sense. Uh, you know, I, I would never break that. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. So number one of the five is you've got to have a high quality product or service. Let me give you a concrete example of where I've seen people break this all the time. Uh, they they manufacture goods in China, and they just take this attitude. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's good enough. It'll be fine. Or they don't bother arranging for quality control uh, before it leaves the country. So 
you know, we have benefit of having a, an office there and Chinese staff and a warehouse. Uh, so we never let anything out of the country until it has been completely quality controlled and checked. Now, when you're first starting out, it's a little bit more difficult, but they have services that will do that for you in China. So, you know, none of these are impossible to do right out of the gate and they're not expensive by, by any stretch, but you, you know, it just takes one bad review, one, one star review to completely tank a successful product. Um, and, and so you've got to have a high quality product or service. Again, it sounds like common sense, but if you bake failure into the beginning part here, you know, the most core component by just saying, you know, well, you know, mediocre is good enough or yeah, some of them are going to break, but it's not a big deal. Uh, or this, you know, this service level is just fine. It's just not going to work out. Um, second one. You must have, and this sort of dovetails with the benchmarking and all that kind of stuff, you've got to have a trusted source of information and execution details. It comes back to that whole, uh, you know, reverse engineering a successful business. You know, let me give you an extreme example of this. Um, Franchises. You know, why do you think that, and again, these are statistics, so you could find all sorts of different statistics out there, but directionally some 90 to 95% of franchise businesses succeed okay or stay in business however you define wow. success only only about 15% ish 20% you know um, of non franchise businesses succeed now why do you think that is i mean there, there are a lot of reasons for it but you know they put everything into a bow and they reverse engineer the whole business model for you and give it to you and partner with you by saying, Hey, the more money you make, the more money we make, and we're going to give you all the secrets. We're going to be your trusted source of information, right? For benchmarks, but also for execution. You know, we talked about the ability to execute, getting the right training. So the extreme example is like a McDonald's franchise. They're, they're not going to let you fail because they, give you all of the very, very reliable, accurate information and benchmarks so that you can get around, you know, the reasons why people fail and the reasons why people don't start a business, that kind of thing. Third thing, and again, you're going to think, wow, this, that's common sense. But, it, but again, you'd be amazed at how many people just don't. So market demand and the access to that market, guess what? It is just as easy to you know, get a, a product manufactured in China um, or create a service that a billion people like as it is to create one that a million people like. And why people don't have that mindset where they say, well, you know what? If it's just as easy, I'm going to go with that one that has the billion people. Because you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things you can fix and improve but if nobody wants your product, that's really hard to overcome, you know. Or, or if, or if on the on the on the continuum of of market demand, you're at the low end, you know, that's that's much harder to overcome than my Facebook ads aren't working, or my website isn't converting, or I don't have the right pictures for, you know, whatever it is, right? So, but you'd be amazed at how many people really don't think like that. They fall in love with a particular idea. I want to offer this service. I'm going to offer this product. It's like, well, 
gosh, yeah, but there's not a lot of people looking for that. And then how are you going to, you know, not only does there have to be a lot of people looking for it, but you have to be able to reach those people. Okay. So if there's a lot of people on a deserted island somewhere that are, that are, uh, you know, that need it, but you can't get to them and, you, and they don't have internet or what, then how are you going to do it? Right. So you've got to keep that in mind. And again, you'd be amazed at how many people uh, just fall in love with something and don't keep that, you know, those very important uh, critical success factors in mind. Here's the fourth one. Um, and you know, let's let's talk about it uh, in this way, like avoiding fads, pop culture, making sure that your product or service can be there in the long run. So I'll give you one of my favorite examples of that. Um, most of you have probably seen the commercials for the Pandora bracelets, right? And they they really built out, you know, things very, very quickly. They went from being, you know, sold through like K jewelers or whatever, and now they have their own physical stores. And but they're a one-trick pony. You know, they make these bracelets with the charms that you know you can expand as as people's interests change over time. And the idea is to buy mom a charm, you know, or whatever each year. And it's charming. It's not no pun intended. It's wonderful. Um, but, sorry, but it's but it's pop culture. It's fad, you know. And what they're finding now is that it's you know, unsurprisingly, it's going the way of the you know the mood ring or the magic eight ball or whatever. God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> and 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 uh, and and they're having a hard time reinventing themselves. They haven't come up with something else to sell, right? So they've exploited a fad, a pop culture thing, and it's dying. And and they have all this infrastructure and these and these stores and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's a problem. Well, Stephen, before we move on to the last one, I'm just kind of yeah. curious. Do you have an example on the other side of things where you're like, wow, that product or that service, man, that's evergreen? I mean, you can think about some of the most mundane things, right? Um, you know, think about uh, things that have been around forever, like a mousetrap or something. I was thinking toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, exactly. I mean, you know, these things are not, you'd be amazed, right? Um they're not the sexiest things in the world, and you don't get real excited talking about them. But let me tell you this. The minute you start making money with them and they become your business, you would be amazed at how excited you get about, about these kinds of products and services. It's, it's really, it's really uh, quite amazing. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, that, that'd be, that's a, a great question, and, and, and that would be, you know. And if you could build a better mousetrap, as they say, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I've had some examples of that. I had, uh, we had one student. Let me give an example from a, a, a real-life student of ours. So, one student um, developed a, uh, a pooper scooper, you know, for, for dogs. Um, very evergreen. Dogs are always going to go to the bathroom, um, and you know they're always going to need to be cleaned up after. And she took it a step further because uh, she she made one with a telescoping telescoping handle um, because people didn't like to uh, bend over. Market research right. said you know people are bending over and trying to scrape things up. You and, don't want to get close to that poop. I mean, let's keep our yeah, distance. <laughs> exactly right. So she. So first, and and then think about all the other things about this. I mean, market demand and access to market. The pet market is that's one of my favorites. You know, um, and and so she killed it. I mean, you know, she's and now she's expanded into all sorts of other things. Um, but there's a great example. You know, um, and I'll tell you. And the fifth one, the last one. This is one that's kind of it's not an absolute requirement, but boy, does it make life easier. I mean, it makes life so much easier if you can. Uh, have a business where you can continue to sell 
to your customers over time. In other words, in some way, they bring in some recurring revenue. So think about consumables or services. Like if you're offering, um, you know, some sort of like SEO services for a local business or something, that's something that they will continue to buy. If you're offering uh, pet supplements, that's something they will continue to buy, right? Any kind of a beauty product, shampoo or whatever it is. Yeah, right? one that I just signed up for actually, I'm kind of getting big into bone broth. So there's a great company. I love their branding for obvious reasons. They're called Kettle and Fire and they just sell bone broth. And so I'm on a subscription service and what do I do? I have one a day. That's consumable. I'm having to go back to the well over and over again. Exactly. And and you could do that in a couple of different ways. The easiest way is to do the way that we're describing here. But the other way is to sell related products, you know, uh, you could sell uh, uh, a pooper scooper and then sell bags, you know, ongoing Ooh, or, whatever, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. So, but, but the point of these really is that you ought to think about them before you dive into something. Because, you know, what we've seen is that the people that spend time up front thinking about all these things we've been talking about, the five, pe- the five reasons people don't start about this, that the three reasons they fail, the five critical success factors, all the things we're talking about. The people that look at those and sort of answer them and check them off before they even begin are the people that are are the most successful. There's an absolute direct correlation, which makes sense, right? It's just common sense. Prepare, prepare, and put yourself in the best position that you can to be successful, right? So I love all this and Fire Nation again. I want to go over some of the ones that I personally highlighted and you just walked right into this one, Stephen, because you said common sense multiple times and I wrote this down that, you know, (laughs) we both know that common sense does not always equal common practice. So yes, it's common sense to me, to you, even to Fire Nation listening, it's common sense. That doesn't mean it's common practice, Fire Nation. So that's why we're standing here talking about these things right now. And the next thing I really loved is, is there a real pain point for your product or service? Is it solving a real pain point? You know, not just something that you think is quote unquote cool. And that kind of leads perfectly into, you know, cool. Is your product or service a fad? I mean, is it just something that's going to be here today, gone tomorrow? Or is it evergreen? We gave some examples of that. And then the last thing I have jotted down here is, RR. What's the recurring revenue on this stuff? What are those possibilities? Yeah. So that your customers that you, by the way, have already won, who already know, like, and trust you, how and what are they going to keep buying from you to keep that thing going? And if you think value bombs have been dropped, Fire Nation, well, you're right. And more coming up as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsor. So Fire Nation, we're here with Ian Siegel, the CEO of ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Ian, you spent so much time in the hiring space. What is the biggest challenge employers face today when hiring? 90% of companies say finding qualified and available candidates is their number one pain point. At ZipRecruiter, we used to say that we were going to solve the quality problem with volume. If you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, you know, we deliver haystacks, we don't deliver needles. In the last couple of years, we've made the largest investment our company ever has in any particular piece of technology, and it's all centered around algorithms that help match your job to exactly the right candidates in market as soon as your job is posted. The experience you have on ZipRecruiter as an employer is simple. Post your job, and we will within minutes have notified all the candidates in market who are a just right fit for the opportunity that you have open, and you will see them start to apply that same day. No more posting and praying. ZipRecruiter makes it easy to find qualified candidates. 
Fire Nation, I hope you're tuning in here. I don't want you to struggle hiring because of too many unqualified applicants. It is such a waste of time to sift through the wrong candidates. And if there's one thing entrepreneurs can't afford, it's wasting time. This is why ZipRecruiter's matching algorithm is awesome. It saves a lot of time and a hassle because they focus on sending only qualified candidates. Here's how ZipRecruiter finds you quality candidates. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the US and this is based on Trustpilot ratings of hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, Fire Nation, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash F-I-R-E. Ziprecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So Stephen, we're back and so many people are starting a business, but if you ask them why they're starting it, they'll give you some kind of like airy-wary like, oh, freedom and travel and spending more time with my kids and all this stuff. And like those things are all correct and true on, on a lot of levels, but we need to really get down to the meat potatoes. Why do you think with all of your experience, it's critical that we as entrepreneurs understand why we're looking to start a business? Break that down for us. This is something that's really important to me and very much near and dear to me because I, I think it's, I honestly think, and I'm not, I, I swear I'm not overstating, <laughs> I believe this to be the secret to happiness. <laughs> I swear to you, nothing short of that, which, you know, is a, is a big uh, hurdle now to overcome. But it's I really only the hurdle, but I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I really believe this in my art. I'm super, super passionate about this. So it's really important to me. And I think that there's a direct correlation, again, to people who think through this and go through an exercise where they understand why they're doing things um, and, and those who are successful. I think there's a direct correlation. So I personally think it's really important to come up with your, I just call it your recipe, your, your recipe for happiness, essentially. And it's pretty straightforward in concept because he, here's what I think it is. First, figure out what you love to do or be, and, and be and do more of that, right? Second, figure out what you don't enjoy doing and do as little of that as possible, okay? Third, always try to help others do that sort of same thing, you know, help them assess, help them do, help them get to the point where they can do this. And then always be rinsing and repeating this, reassess regularly. You know, like it's, things change. You change, your circumstances changes, the world changes. And so, you know, you've got to be prepared to, to modify this. So people are probably going, oh, okay, well, that's freaking ridiculous because again, that's common sense. Like, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to think about the stuff I want to, you know, I like to do. I'm going to do more of that. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds easy. Yeah. Well, why don't people do it then? Because, and they, they don't. Right. I mean, how many of your friends or you yourself or whatever are walking around going, man, I'm not I, I don't want to do this. I, this is not what I want to be doing every day. This is not what I want to be doing for this many hours. So why what stops people from doing what is pretty much common sense? Right. Figuring out what you want to do, do more of that. Figure out what you don't like to do, do less of that. OK, here's why, in my opinion. Number one, most people are just stuck on autopilot. They're in a direction. They got put in that direction maybe when they were kids, maybe when they were 21, maybe when they were 30. I don't know why, when, whatever. 
right? But they're on autopilot and they just they just exist. They just go down the path, whatever it is, right? Second reason, people have people don't have the ability or they don't want to be introspective. They don't want to ask themselves these questions. They're afraid to ask these questions. That's probably a, a lots of reasons why they're afraid to do it, but it's it's harder than you think to really be honest with yourself in some quiet room somewhere and say, what is it that I really do like to do? It's not always a terribly easy question to ask or to answer. It's usually easier to figure out what you don't like to do. Others' expectations. Maybe you've got a spouse or parents or siblings or friends or whatever that have put certain expectations onto you. And you know, you, you don't want to go against those. You, you don't, you don't want to change your life in, in any way because you're basically living through somebody else's happiness recipe, right? That happens to all of us. I think people are, are reluctant to put themselves first. They, they think it's selfish or something to have that conversation and, and to sort of, you know, put together their happiness recipe. I think that, that people are afraid, you know, we talked a lot about fear that, that they, they will give up on their dreams. Like I said before, I think that that same kind of fear enters into this. I think that people just simply don't think that this is that they, that it's possible to do this. But I, I want to give I want to end I want to end this conversation here on one uh, a very specific example. So you know you've you've heard that I like you know obviously airplanes and yachts and all this kind of stuff. And you're probably thinking, oh well, you know, crap, that's easy for you. You know, you got money, you can you can do those kind of things. But let's let's pretend that I'm a minimum wage worker uh, working in New Jersey, you know, New York, and I really want to get involved with boat boating and I want a sunny climate. I want to get away from the winters. I want to, to fly. Uh, I, I, I want to do all those things. Well, you know what? You could, that, you could find a way. If you know what makes you happy and you want to do more of that, if you know what you don't like to do and you want to do less of that, if you have your recipe, you could figure it out. You sell everything that you have, move down to Key West, Right? I have some experience in Key West. Sell your car when you get there and buy a bicycle. Get on Craigslist and find an apartment uh, that you can you know, have a roommate or two down there. Go walk the docks and get a, get a charter uh, boat job. You can definitely do that. Get a part-time job at the airport and use the money from the airport to pay for your flight lessons. And just like that, a minimum wage worker is enjoying the sunshine. They're happier where they are from a geographic perspective. They're on boats all day. They're happy about that. They're learning to fly. And that is not crazy. Okay. So people just need to think that way, right? But first they need to figure out what it is. What do you love? Do more of that. What do you not like? Do as little of that as possible. Help others reassess regularly. Do that first. And the actual implementing of it, the executing of it, I think is easier personally. So super passionate about that. Uh, you know, I don't mean to spend too much time on it, but it's, I think it's really, really important. And I also think that there is a direct correlation between the most successful entrepreneurs that I know and those who are in touch with their recipe. I really do believe that. So Fire Nation, Stephen just broke down your recipe for happiness. Take your time, go back, re-listen to this. I mean, it was a powerful little segment here. And a couple things that I just want to hammer home for you, Fire Nation, is you're stuck on autopilots and you're living in a world that I call the sunk cost fallacy. Now, that's not for every single person that's listening right now, but that's for a decent number of you, Fire Nation. You're stuck on autopilot. 
in uh, what is sunk cost fallacy? That means that, oh my God, I went to two years of law school. Now I must become a lawyer for 40 years. No, I dropped out of it for one semester. It was the best $20,000 I ever wasted on one semester in my life because I didn't live in that sunk cost fallacy. I woke up the next day and said, what's my recipe for happiness? It was not that. And so I started doing something else. Stop living your the rest of your life on decisions you made in your prior life, Fire Nation. And your prior life is yesterday, 10 days ago, five years ago. Stop that. And I love that part of being alone in a room, Stephen, and just being honest with yourself. Yes, it's scary, but stop being afraid of it, Fire Nation. You have to do that. And then the other thing is, are you going to let your parents dictate your happiness (laughs) recipe? Like, do they get to dictate your happiness recipe? And there's one thing that's an absolute, when you're 80, when you're 90, when you're hopefully you make it to 100 healthy, you're going to regret it if you let your parents dictate your happiness recipe. End of story, period. Now, is this all possible? Like what Steven's accomplished, what I've accomplished, what other successful entrepreneurs have accomplished? Well, I know, and this is what I love about this show, Steven, is that Fire Nation, if they're listening to this, they know it's possible. They're spending time listening to you and me share with them how and why it's possible. So that's awesome, Fire Nation. And now we're going to end with a bang because Steven's going to break down for us the holy grail of all business models that's going to ensure you, Fire Nation, the best chance for your success. So, Stephen, I'm going to step out of the way and just let you crush it. I feel like I've made some grandiose statements here. I'm, uh, I'm getting a little concerned now. So, I'm talking about the secret to happiness and the holy grail. I may have overstepped, uh, I but, love but it. here we go. So, so I, I think what we're what I think is valuable is to take all this information and sort of distill it into here are the things that you need to be looking for when you're evaluating. Uh, business models. Uh, now, we certainly have one to suggest to you, and I'll, I'll do that. But but here's, here's uh, I think, a, a, a useful list for you. This basically is how do you evaluate whether or not you have the holy grail of business models. Number one, short time to see results. You want weeks, not months, maybe even days. You want something where you can see actual results really quickly. Number two, high profit potential for year one, because you want to get that, um, that, that, cash flow going, you know, you want to see all those results, you want a, a positive benchmark, but you also want high profit potential for say year three, because that'll indicate that you've got something that scales well. So not only will it be successful out of the gate, but you know, later on, uh, as you, you can build it and scale it and make it even better and better. High margins. So, and keep in mind, folks, you know, you're not going to get necessarily every single one of these for every single business model. Okay. So high margins is a good example. Retail, traditionally does not have high margins, okay? But affiliate marketing, sure does. Uh, SEM consulting for small business owners, sure does, okay? So high margins are obviously better. Retail doesn't have that. Low fixed costs, um, absolutely, because uh, you know for obvious reasons, it's a low burn rate, low risk, that sort of thing. Predictable and repeatable success, right? Now, I talked about this before. Franchises, 90 to 95% versus 15 to 20%. Of, of other businesses, you want some way to be able to have really good benchmarks, really good training, trustworthy data and information about how to predict how the business is going to go and how to repeat it. Okay. Cash flow, make sure that you could take money out when you need to. Low customer count this is something we didn't really talk about, but you know, if you had a business that can make you $100,000 and you had to deal with 2,000 customers versus a business that could make you that same 100000 and you had to deal with 10 customers, which is better? There's pros and cons, but in general, the 10, right? You know, because they're a lot less 
work to deal with 10 customers than it is to deal with thousands of customers. Outsourceable management, you want to make sure that you can get out of the way. Um, you know, almost all of our businesses, well, one of the dirty little secrets, of, uh, in my opinion, of entrepreneurs is we are great at starting businesses, but we're not necessarily great at running businesses. So pretty much the whole model that we have is when we start businesses, we're, we, we get them all running, we move them in the right direction, and then we try to get the hell out of the way and hire a CEO uh, who is much better at actually running a business. Okay. It's a different skill set, you know? So you need to be able to make sure that you can outsource at the right time, whether it's a CEO or the actual execution of delivering the products or services, all that kind of stuff. I talked about demand and access to market. You've got to have that huge demand. You've got to have the access to market. Do not scrimp on that. Do not uh, ever make allowances for that, ever, because you could never fix it, ever. Uh, repeat customers uh, and and recurring paint, you know, recurring revenue. That kind of. I would if if I was building my first business, I would hold out until I had a model that gave me that. Absolutely, because again, it's just as easy to start a business that has that as it is that doesn't have that. And finally, I would say something that has that you know longevity to be able to build like a lasting company and a lasting brand. And I think I think those are the things that you've when you're when you're looking at if you could if you could achieve all of those things, you've got the holy grail of business models. So you should use this criteria uh, when you're evaluating every single opportunity that comes down the pike to you. Fire Nation, this has been 45 minutes of pure genius coming at you live from Stephen Clayton to your earbuds. Now bring it home for Stephen. Do you have a call to action, a way that we can connect with you and your awesomeness on an even higher level? Break it down. You know, every year we, uh, we we try and we ask ourselves kind of the same question, and, and that's look, how can we have an even bigger impact on uh, on on even more people, and how do we improve? And and we're constantly being asked about, you know, how can people partner with us? How can we share the risk reward, make money together, all those kind of things? So, you know, we obviously have spent a lot of time. Hopefully, it comes across that you know we've spent a lot of time thinking about why people are successful, why people have problems, what's the holy grail of business models. And unsurprisingly, we feel like we've we've nailed that. You know, we've got that for for 2019. So we feel pretty strongly it's what you need to be involved in. And if you can go, you can go to parallelprofits.com forward slash fire. And we've got a few things for you. We've got um, we've got a book um, that uh, really goes over a, a three-step blueprint to building a business that makes you hundred thousand dollars a year in profit with just seven sales. And it's, in my opinion, meets every single uh, tick on the holy grail of business models. So we've got that book. We've got a mind map that uh, that's really cool that dives deeper into each, you know, sort of stages of the of the blueprint. So it gives you an action plan to, to build that business in 90 days or less. And, I, you know, some of you could probably guess what our little twist is going to be this year because we, I've made, I've dropped some hints about it, but we've got a, we've got a, an unprecedented twist that's going to allow you to partner with us um, in 2019 and beyond. Uh, and those of you who've been paying attention are probably have an idea of what it is. We're we're not quite ready to announce it yet, but you'll be you'll you'll hear about it if you dun, go to dun, uh, dun. Parallel Profits. Yeah, exactly. Parallelprofits.com forward slash fire. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully you've liked what we talked about here, and we, we've got a lot more stuff we can we can share with you. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with SC and JLD today, so keep up the heat 
and we talked about, oh, so much. So if you head over to eofire.com and type Stephen in the search bar, the show notes page will pop up with links to everything that we've talked about today. But your direct call to action, Fire Nation, is to press pause, head over to parallelprofits.com slash fire, parallelprofits.com slash fire, and get all that awesomeness that Stephen has over there for you. And of course, get in the know for that big announcement they have upcoming here in early 2019. So definitely get on over there. And Stephen, I want to thank you, brother, for sharing your truth, your genius, your knowledge with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Hey, Fire Nation, our value bomb content was brought to you by Stephen Clayton today. He just, wow, 45 minutes of genius. And if you're ready, Fire Nation, to master productivity, discipline, and focus in just 100 days, we'll visit themasteryjournal.com. This is my best work. Go learn more about it, and I will give you the exact system that you need to ignite. So visit themasteryjournal.com. Use promo code podcast. That'll give you a nice little discount for listening to my podcast. And I really hope you do take advantage of Stephen's incredible offer over at parallelprofits.com slash fire. If there's one thing you do today, get over there and just get those free, awesome goodies he has waiting for you. And I'll catch you on the flip side. You know what's not smart? Spending a ton of time searching job boards that overwhelm you with so many candidates who aren't even qualified for the job you posted. Luckily, there's a smarter way to hire at ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the US. That's based on hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter. Recruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.